My name's Brock, and I was in a few bands in Calgary, including Quaker State, Rebel Young Republican, Weekend Terror Society, The Browns, Field Day, Donnybrook, The Night Lookout, and The Jamies. And also, just sort of as a um, side note, I was sort of in Porter Hall. I, th- I thought you were in Porter Hall. I was when we were looking at this. I'm like, I swear Brock was in that band, but yeah. I, I just made it up. I don't in my head. I guess I don't. Well, know. Well, no, you, you might have seen me play with them, but I didn't actually play with them. Type uh. thing. So it was an illusion. Uh, well. <laughs> so you were the original David Blaine, is what you're trying to say? Well, like a little more cutting edge, maybe like Chris Angel or something. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, so intense, <laughs> dude. That is a shit ton of bands. Yeah, it's um, it's yeah. I you know I don't know really what to say about it. Um, there were some good some good ones and some ones that maybe didn't uh, go the distance. But the Porter Hall stuff was really funny because um, it was just I I had this uh, Gretsch guitar. It was my brother's guitar actually, and he lent it to me, and uh, I played with them at the Ship and Anchor. And we, the band before us, they we convinced them to leave their amp on stage, and I plugged into the amp, but didn't actually turn it on. Mm-hmm. So I'm on stage, no sound, but I'm rocking out, looking like I'm the second guitar player. And the only person that caught on was my friend John Stewart, who could, is a phenomenal guitar player, and he could tell I was faking the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so was it just a one-off show, or did you play? Tw- twice. Did twice. <laughs> twice. Once at the Night Gallery, too. So that started I, Maybe something. I was at the Night Gallery. I yeah, know. it could have been. Yeah. <laughs> Except there was, a little, there was a little mishap at the Night Gallery where I left my amp on and uh, kind of... Ruined the show? Well, ruined a song. <laughs> <laughs> they, they asked you to leave after the song? No, they just asked me to turn off my amp. <laughs> Remember that time you turned your amp off? That's, that's the sound we're going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's kind of a, you know, that was my role in the band, and I knew my role, so... The, that's so what I should have done instead of... Because <laughs> I couldn't play. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, you could have been. Yeah. I could have been in so many bands if that was the case. Yeah, you know... Uh, Buy a nice guitar. Yeah, buy. <laughs> you have all the tools of the trade, but you don't need the talent. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So what? What's the deal with that many bands? I mean, were you? I mean, was the scene transient, or in? I mean, it looks incestuous in some ways, where you know you just kind of finish with one and go on to the next. I mean, it, that's not something I don't think that people. I mean, it's, it's not part of the scene today. Was that what it was like then? Um. You know, it was funny when you look at Quaker State and Rebel Young Republican and Weekend Terrorist Society. There, there's sort of it was very incestuous. Uh, Quaker State was um, Jeff and Dave from AKA and Jeff Casey, and then Rebel Young Republican was uh, my friend Darren, who eventually was in Porter Hall, and uh, and myself and Jeff Lee and Dave Patterson. And then Weekend Terror Society was Todd Harkness and uh, myself and uh, Darren Preston. So it, it it was all kind of together, and it, it was um and the Browns of some of those players too, right? Yeah, Jeff yeah. Jeff Casey and Todd Harkness and um, our friend Ross played drums. And then after the after the Browns, um, Field Day just gave me a call and asked me if I wanted to come play with them. Yeah. So what time? Like when was that? Like was Field Day? I mean, were they a big band at that point in time? Yeah, they had kind of lost some momentum, but they they were still 
doing bigger shows like were um, they still big in germany at that time <laughs> i don't i don't know about that but um <laughs> what what happened is jonas moved to the yukon and then uh they had a guy named roger play bass for them and then roger and just wasn't working out like and uh they called me up and i came in practice with them but the funny story is when jonas uh first was going to move to the yukon I, I i tried out for them and um I was more interested in, you know, just getting wasted and stuff. So I didn't really uh, give much thought to being in field day and it didn't really work out. So when it came around the second time, I felt a little more prepared for it. Um, but yeah, I had a good run with them. I I recorded a CD, recorded one of my own original songs. and Wow. Yeah. So where I do vocals and play bass. Uh, it, was, it was a good experience. Like I, I still really get along with John and Jay and... Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. We, we played with face to face in Edmonton, face to face in choke. And it was, I think like 3000 people there. Like it was, it was a pretty big deal. So was that, that the biggest show that I've ever played? Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, outside of the warp tour, like okay. outside of playing the warp tour, but that was sort of the biggest show. What was the favorite band on that list? Can you, can you give a favorite out of, I don't know how many are on that list? Oh, there's a lot on this list. I, I would have to say the Browns. I mean, it yeah. was it was so, it was so ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun though, Brock. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it was really, it, it you know the scene was kind of. I wouldn't really say it was in a weird place, but all of a sudden these these guys came along like the Browns wearing ski masks and stuff, and we would totally sort of fuck shit up at shows, and then uh, it, it was a fun band. Like we had a lot of fun. Um, you know, and the band still continues on today. Jeff still operates. Yeah, they the just band. put a record out last year, right? Yeah, and they they're going to record a new record here uh, pretty soon, and uh, so Jeff still operates the band out of Medicine Hat, and they're still really good, and um, it's just lots of good memories with that. As I'm sure you all know, I am bad, bad Leroy Brown of the Browns. I usually play this uh, this four string gadget. I'm not sure what it's called. And there he is. So let's talk a little bit about the Browns. Like, where does that idea come from? Where does that, who plants that seed of like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Like, I don't want to say it was a gimmick band, but there definitely <laughs> was a gimmick to it, right? <laughs> yeah, there definitely was. Right. Um, well, okay, the the whole story behind it is that we, um, the, the guys in the band kind of wanted to be an emo band. And, uh, wow, that didn't happen at all. No. <laughs> and, uh, they wanted to be called Camille. The, the band was going to be named Camille. And we, uh, <laughs> we went to, uh, it's I like the biggest uh, departure ever from an original plan. Yeah. And, um, so I think Jeff and maybe Todd were at the night gallery and some, they told some rockabilly guys that they were starting an emo band called Camille. And the rockabilly guys like laughed at them and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, um, but m it was my idea to sound more like the New Bomb Turks or or like the Misfits, and and that's kind of what we went with. And there used to be this old band from the states called the Ripoffs that wore ski masks, so we just ripped off the Ripoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, so something I always found funny about that is because you guys all came from like pretty PC uh, <laughs> yeah. bands before that. So like to me, that joke was even like more funny. Like just coming from Rebel Young Republican and like Showdown and things like that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, this is a really big departure, but it was awesome. Yeah. See, and it, for yeah. me, it was really needed because I mean, 
uh, Rebel Young did some great things, and and we uh, but we just were um, unfocused. I guess was the best way to put it. We couldn't really communicate our ideas on stage. And um, we well, were a lot younger then too, right? Like yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And I I think we had sort of the ideals, but we didn't really know where we wanted to go with it. And so the Browns were sort of a nice release from all that, where it could just be chaotic and just be. Um, well, ridiculous for the most part. What was that? Like, I mean, there were obviously like, you know, theatrics on stage, yeah. <laughs> you know, to put it mildly. Yeah. But did those ever result in like any kind of tension between the band at all? Or was it always just fun? Or was there ever something that happened that was like, dude, you just took things way too far? Because when you, you know, when you put yourself in a situation that's full of chaos, mm-hmm. you know, negative things are bound to happen. Yeah. I mean, there was some, definitely some chaotic things. Uh, the way we sort of um, broke up the first time was, you know, I, we, we saw, I don't have it on videotape, but Jeff has it on videotape of a kid pulling Jeff's mask off and then Jeff. I remember that. Yeah. Smashing him with a microphone stand. And then uh, it was, it was just a weird time. Um, Not for everybody, but for some people it was a weird time. And, you know, I I think Dean had just put our, Dean Rudd had just put our record out. So we sort of, we broke up, but then, oh geez, we sort of owe Dean. So we better get (laughs) get back together here. (laughs) And we, we kept playing shows and, um, then Jeff moved to, uh, Wisconsin. He married, uh, an American girl and, uh, continued the band on down there. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Cause Mike and I have had this conversation about the Browns kind of going to Wisconsin. Yeah. And then years later you get this band called Mast Intruder. Now I'm (laughs) finding out for the first time that this was not your idea to begin with, but is there any truth to Mast Intruder seeing the Browns and being like, Hey, we should do something like that. Yeah. There's a hundred percent truth. Oh really? Yeah. So yeah. how does, what's that story? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's not a little bit. There's, it's, it's full blown. It's 110. Truth. Yeah. They, uh, they uh, apparently <laughs> from what this, from what Jeff told me, but they, um, they had seen the Browns play and, um, they, instead of wearing just all ski masks, you know, they had the colored ski masks and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it, did did they rip us off after we ripped another band off? Like it's <laughs> it at what point does the rip off stop becoming a rip off? Yeah, I mean, and there were some, you know, just sort of getting back to the beginning of the Browns. There were some funny ideas, like we were going to get sleeping bags and cut the arms out of sleeping bags, and like, <laughs> and then it, I think someone suggested we get like TVs and blow out the front of the screen and put TVs that on That might be head. heavy. Yeah, it might be stupid, too. <laughs> like, it just wouldn't go anywhere. Uh, but, yeah, the mass Intruder thing, um, I, I can't say for sure. Yeah. But I, as far as I know... Within the scope of 100%, you can't say for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Now that I'm dialing back a little bit. Now that you regress. We don't edit, so you're screwed. Yeah, I'm okay. stuck to this. Good. Yeah, okay, well, I'll stick with my 100% then. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. Now we've got it confirmed. So yeah, we can move on with our lives. Thank you, Brock. I like Mass Intruder. Yeah, me too. I like like them a lot. I mean, obviously different style than the Browns was too. But see, even the onstage banter is very similar to some of the stuff. Yeah, that kind of New Jersey accent. (laughs) So so they don't know what they're doing either then. eh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they added to the gimmick by adding, you know, crime as their, you know, focus of songwriting. See, we we didn't... um, 
Jeff wrote all the lyrics, so it was more like B horror movies and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Um, but we didn't really have a focus. We just, I, th- I think after all the PC bands and stuff, we just really wanted to have some fun. Yeah. And, I, you know, the band was, it was some of the best years of my life. Like, it was a, a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I liked your PC bands too, but the brand <laughs> yeah, I like, I like, like <laughs> I, I like all the bands I was in. Um, well, it was a breakout band, right? Like, I mean, you know, we were, we've been talking about it. The fact that there was this, you know, I mean, the, the scene was very PC and yeah. then you had this band that was just like, fuck that. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, yeah. really, yeah. you know, I mean, that was a big risk to take in that time. Cause I think initially people didn't get the joke. No, either. Well, I, I don't think people ever got the joke, but I, I don't think the joke was ever <laughs> clearly communicated. Like, well, you can't spell out a joke. Yeah, no. Um, it was a little more subtle, maybe. But no, we um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and like you said, yeah, coming from the PC scene, it was it was a nice change of pace. Where, um, if if sort of felt like with the whole PC scene that if you made one wrong step, there was five people there to tell you what you're doing wrong <laughs> totally no well, I, I, I recall it very uh very well <laughs> yeah yeah um you know and sort of the whole open mic policy that would take place at pc shows um some sometimes for good sometimes for for bad um but you know i i think a lot of good ideas were communicated for every one good idea that was communicated there was about a hundred that were lost in the mix you know yeah. Or just, just rehashed ideas, something I spy had said or something <laughs> propaganda had said. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Just to finish with the Browns, um, I was telling Mike this story about the big breakfast and <laughs> I don't think I should tell this story. I think you should tell this story because for those who haven't, uh, didn't see it on TV or I, I don't know. Is it on YouTube no. by now? No. I spent an hour yesterday <laughs> trying to find it on YouTube. Did you try Bing? Well, no, I didn't bring it. <laughs> no, um, Je- uh, Jeff Casey has the only copy of that. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's got it on VHS. The so, only uh, copy in the world. Well, I'm sure I'm sure it's on the A channels, like um, job training, <laughs> like do not do this <laughs> on air. Or best of. Yeah, or worst of. <laughs> but we, um, the, the only sad story about all of that is we kind of got the guy fired. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that put a damper on everything, bro. Yeah, yeah, this was fun for a moment. No, no, it's still fun. I mean, he, you I'm ruined sure a guy's he, life. We had a good fourteen minutes, Brock. No, but, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure he. Um, I'm sure he moved on to other bigger and better <laughs> things. But we, um, we definitely uh, made some parents very upset. Yeah, extremely upset. Well, let's set the scene. Um, there's it's six in the morning or whatever, and. There's there's four guys in ski masks on your screen and we're breaking chairs over each other and uh, that was kind of the height of the theatrics at that point right like where you guys were like actually buying stage props um no I think we just used or it. making them or used a real one yeah we just used a real one yeah. <laughs> um and uh, what else makes uh, this story even better Dave Kelly or I threatened uh, Jeb Fink on air <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I told him I was gonna. It was Jeb Fink's birthday, actually, and I told him I was gonna. I was gonna slap him the way on the day, like he was on the day he was born. <laughs> and um, I, I almost said the f word. Like I came really close to saying "fuck" on the air. And you guys were banned too. Yeah, we're banned. Like a, an we're official banned. Ban. We're not. We're not a, allowed to set foot 
on a channel property right like, like your picture is at the front door i don't know about that but we're not we're not allowed to play there right <laughs> I mean, it's a crazy story. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty funny. Uh, it, the thing that was so bizarre about it is it's like six in the morning. Uh, I think I'd been up pretty much all night the night before and we're playing and all these people are walking by the window and, and all these people are stopping and looking. It's like, what, you know, what's going on in here? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess um, sort of the linchpin was that um, there was... Uh, a woman who called in, her children became very scared of these masked men on, on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she, she you know, uh, apparently that was followed by more and more phone calls of upset parents. And uh, yeah, that was it. No more, no more for us. But um, Brock, I'm sorry my mom called in. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I, I took her on a date and everything's fine. That's fair. <laughs> Where did you guys go? Oh, we went for a Caesar salad that had anchovies <laughs> on it. <laughs> oh, I love it when the jokes come back. Yeah, they're the best. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about uh, something outside of you know being in a band. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, you to anybody who grew up in Calgary and you know, kind of within our age group. I mean, you were the Megatunes guy. Yeah. And uh, whether you know this or not, you inspired a lot of us to listen to new music. Oh, that's cool. I'm like, glad to hear that. Like, did you have any thought about that? Like, was that was that just something that you were like, oh, these kids, you know, like punk rock, so I'm going to try and open some doors? Or, or was that not even really a thought for you? Because for Mike and I, like, neither of us have older brothers and a lot of our friends didn't have older brothers and when you listen to pretty much any interview with you know somebody who listens to punk it's like how'd you get into punk well my yeah. older brother showed me this or showed me that mike had an older uncle um you know that kind of showed him showed him the ropes but for a lot of us we didn't have the older brothers so you were kind of our older brother in the sense oh, that's nice i like that yeah he, um, he just called you old though <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> just I'm so you know older, just so you clear older <laughs> I, you know, I'm still pretty hip, I guess. Um, no, we could tell with your suspenders that you yeah. chose to wear tonight. Yeah, with my with my uh, with my pants pulled up to my tits. <laughs> um, no, it was like for me, it was just a cool job, and uh, I always liked seeing you guys when you came in and stuff. And um, you know, it was just it was cool because I, it was stuff I was listening to too, and I just because I love punk rock so much, I just wanted to pass it on to other people it was it was never really about making sales or anything like that it was just about just um communicating and um i remember your friend uh justin mm -hmm. yeah do you guys still hang around justin? oh yeah. yeah yeah okay uh i remember justin and stuff and uh you guys coming in so yeah those are all really good memories those are good years like the first uh few years at megatunes are really good so um yeah those are definitely good memories and i made a lot of good friends there you know even we were talking off air a little bit earlier about Herb, mm -hmm. who worked at Megatunes, and uh, uh, he lives in Windsor now, uh, <laughs> looking at a <laughs> casino. Yeah. So uh, if you're in Windsor, in the Windsor area, yeah, look Herb up. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and then <laughs> let him know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, th those were good years. I mean, it was a good job. Um, it was a good place to work. And then, you know, it sort of took a... Um, bit of a downturn once the internet sort of became a bit of a bigger thing because uh, people were just buying music online. No, it was good because you quit and I took your job. Yeah. 
And then I came back and bought a bass off you one day. Yes, you did. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> you guys sold basses at Megatunes? No, I had a bass. Oh, I see. And it We've only, established it, that I couldn't play. You, it only had three strings on it, too. And I bought it off you for 100 bucks. Wow. I, I was making big money. I ripped you, you off. You probably, probably bought it with three strings on it, too. <laughs> is what I imagine. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's like his calling card, though. Yeah. Three strings. Yeah. <laughs> we call him Three String Mike now. Everyone knows everything about me now. <laughs> What was that like? I mean, working at Megatunes would have been like the the be all end all job for a lot of us, sure. You know, and you had that that coveted job. Did you? I mean, when you went in there, was that your thinking going in there? And was there is there like some funny story about your job interview? Was it Herb that did the interview? No, no, it was. Um, because when I lived in Medicine Hat in my, my last year of high school, I used to. Uh, order CDs from Megatunes and Mike and I uh, became friends Mike the owner from Megatunes and then I, I used to just uh, when I first moved to Calgary I didn't have a job and so I was spending all my savings at Megatunes I'd just go down there and buy CDs and stuff and then I was working at the Petro-Canada car wash um, you know driving <laughs> driving BMWs but only for a few feet <laughs> up to the <laughs> up so I could go through the car wash that's when your rock star life really started right? yeah sure yeah, yeah. And, um, and then Mike just called me one day and, uh, he said, you know, uh, do you, he brought me into the office at the back when it was still just kind of a narrow, Megatunes was just like a narrow hallway yeah. pretty yeah. much. And, uh, brought me in there and asked me if I wanted to work there. And, uh, I was, I was stoked. I, you know, I even gave two weeks notice at my other job, but. What um, a nice guy. Yeah. That was a smart move. Yeah, yeah. You well, don't want to burn bridges. Never know when I need to go back to Petrol Canada. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but no, it was it was a great job. Uh, it, I made a lot of good friends. You know, it was a good place. So speaking of that, you're from Medicine Hat. Sure. Yeah. How do you fall into punk in... I, I always envision like small town... Well, I, it's not, it, it was a smaller town then for sure. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I always envision small towns as not being accessible as accessible to music, right? Because they don't have shops like Megatunes or, you know, Melodia or things like that where they can go in and, and find an older brother that's behind the counter and be turned on to, to new music that, you know, isn't in the mainstream. Yeah. So how does a kid in Medicine Hat get turned on to punk rock? Um, kind of through much music a little bit, but also we, we used to have a, a record and tape, uh, well, CD and tape, store in medicine Act called pax and uh it was owned owned by a guy who had one arm and uh everybody called him one arm bandit i was Although just I, gonna yeah, ask I, if one arm was part of his name <laughs> yeah everyone called him the one arm bandit and um he would he would bring in all these uh, metal tapes for me and stuff i would listen to a lot of metal and and then um he started bringing in cds and punk cds and um you know i just i i started playing music and i started for me, it was uh, like I got into the Smalls. Like I was really into the Smalls. Uh, Red Fisher mm -hmm. came through town, so I was after seeing started seeing live shows. I was really into the whole atmosphere and uh, you know uh, Circle Pits and seeing bands and I, that's what I wanted to do, right? And so um, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's how I got into it. Kind of a long way around it, but that's that's how I got into it. Would you get a lot of shows in Madison Hat? Like. They get they get a lot of shows now, 
but uh, no, we wouldn't. I, and then I started booking shows in medicine. I booked shows for Red Fisher, and they uh, one well, it's kind of a funny story too. Um, one was for our grad, like uh, Red Fisher played like an after grad thing, and then the second time I booked them at the Boy Scouts Hall uh, during the summer, and then the Boy Scouts Hall wouldn't book to anyone anymore because I cops showed up and. Um, Kids were skateboarding inside. And no. Yeah. Uh, someone was making hash oil in the kitchen at, uh, at, the, at the Boy Scouts Hall. That'll they, bring the cops. Yeah. Every time. Um, so, I mean, it was crazy. And the guy who rented out the hall said he wouldn't rent it out for concerts anymore. So, I, another, so you just another, burn a lot of bridges, hey? <laughs> yeah. See, but not, not on purpose. <laughs> See, not on purpose. <laughs> Naivety is not a defense, Brock. Yeah, well, it, it is in this case. <laughs> I think that's what everyone says okay. in that kind of a situation. Yeah, <laughs> you just can't control what happens at a show. Yeah, and especially in medicine, Island, that place is wild. <laughs> it's like the Wild West. Yeah, it's well, the true Wild West. Yeah, well, because yeah. there's a few of you that came from there, right? Like, is Todd from there as well? Todd's from Lethbridge. Oh, that's, from Lethbridge. That, so that's how we met. Okay. Um, we, Todd and I met at a Chicks Dig It show where my first band played with his first band and our first bands were terrible, right? They, well, actually, no. well, yeah, we were terrible. And, um, <laughs> good memories does not equal good. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so Todd and I became friends and I, I think I was the first one to introduce Todd to, um, face to face because I had, I had heard them. And I uh, was totally blown away by them. And I played them for him. And then we, him and I just became friends after that. So you should have him on your show. I will try to. I haven't seen Todd in a long time. I used to hang out with him quite a bit. But I haven't seen him probably in like oh, maybe 10 years. I hung out with him the other night. I'm trying to remember what we did. Oh, we went and saw The Descendants. Uh, I was at that show. Yeah, good, hey? It was awesome. Yeah, it yeah, was amazing. Really good. So where does that, where does that like maybe love at that point for punk rock turn into, you know, you being a musician and starting to, you know, get into being a band? Um, my, my dad, my father was a musician. Uh, he actually, he was, uh, he was a chemist for the Canadian government and, uh, his side job was a musician. So he would, uh, he played in a country band called Southern Comfort and he was a phenomenal guitar player and both my brother and I picked up music. My sister never really did, but, um, my dad actually bought me my first bass. Uh, I told him I was interested in joining a band and there were no bass players around. So, uh, so is that why the bass? Cause there was just nobody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's cause... why I picked up the bass too. Cause it was like everyone played guitar I wasn't good enough to play drums, so I was like, yeah, the bass looks like I could do that. Yeah, and that's kind of what, that's sort of how it went. And sort of when I first started playing, I played it like a guitar anyways, so. Um, like cording and stuff, like strumming on it? No, oh, God, no. Oh. <laughs> no, I just. You just played it high? I know, I would just wail away on it like it was a guitar, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it runs in my family, but uh, the reason, I, I think like I said, just sort of getting back to bands like the Smalls or Red Fisher, like that's sort of the reason why I wanted to get into playing music. We put um, Red Fisher up at our uh, family home, like they stayed with us when they were touring. And I just remember, uh, you know, watching them as they drive away, sort of off to their next town and think, really thinking like, that's kind of life I want to lead. Like these guys are so cool that I want, that's, that's what I want to do, you know? Yeah. 
you, uh, I mean, you've been in the scene for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like, I mean, you know, and active in the scene. Cause I think, you know, when you're not in a band, it's easy to fall out of. Sure. You know, yeah. like it's there. Uh, I mean, maybe there are a ton of all ages shows going on, but I certainly don't know about them or hear about them in the same way that, you know, you were, you were just, the flyers were everywhere. You yeah. Know, you, you just don't see that kind of stuff anymore. Can you echo that? Like, is it, has it changed a lot? You know, being a guy that's still, you know, playing local shows? Um, I mean, it's changed. I mean, as, as you age, it changes, right? Sure. Because, um, like, and you know, Tubby Dog still does all ages shows and I th I'm sure there's got to be an outlet for all ages shows or else kids would go bananas. Or There isn't a lot, actually. Oh, it's really, really? weird. I, like I've, it's something that I care about a lot just because it, I mean, it meant a lot to me growing up. Yeah. Um, and Mike really still likes the all ages crowd. Yeah. You know, it's because I'm still trying to look like I'm 15, all right? <laughs> <laughs> um, We're actually older than you, Brock. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think there's a, a, there's like the guys that do that punk rock bowling and stuff like that. There, there, there's our all eight, all ages, I believe. And then the tubby dog stuff. Yeah. And then I guess where Reviver is tonight. Yeah. That's all ages, shop. but that's new, shop. but that's new, I think. And then I saw that there's like a, there's an alderman who's putting together an all ages venue. Yeah. So um, I, I'm curious to see if that's going to be toward, if they're going to allow like punk shows or if, they, I don't know if there's like a, just a bunch of kids anymore or uh, like anything like that. Yeah. Like there's no, maybe no organization. Like when we were in and with a lot of the bands you were playing with, like just a bunch of kids was fairly organized and putting on these shows. And then, then there was people like, like, I don't know if you guys ever did, but like I put on shows and like. Yeah. Corrupt. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then like. Uh, chumps. Or yeah. Just chumps. And like West West had all those all ages shows and stuff too. And yeah. I don't know if that exists anymore, but there's also a lot more bars now that play that have catered to live music too. Cause I feel like when we were. It was the Republic, like that was it. Yeah, but it, whole night yeah. gallery sometimes too. Yeah, there right? was night gallery Republic and the ship, and they're still sort of. I mean, that's three, and there was warehouse or what was that one that was where the drum is was uh, the works. The works. Yeah, there was I, the works. I actually worked there for. Um, I was a DJ at the works, which was a pretty sweet gig. I would, I would after I would get off work on um, Friday nights from Megatunes, I would go down to the works and I would uh, just play records all night, and I got paid pretty well to do it. And then uh, Dave Peterson from Downway would do Saturday nights. And I, so I would do Friday nights and Dave would do Saturday nights. And it was a good little place. Like, you don't eat the popcorn there. But yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's, it's pretty good. The other Dave was actually my massage therapist for a little while. So Dave Peterson? Not Dave Peterson, the other Dave. Oh, Dave Holmes. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, he's your massage therapist? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird... Weird transition. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Thanks know. for telling I, us you get massages. I don't really fancy boy, have anywhere to go with that? I just, you know, just wanted to inject a little. Just want to drop name drop, hey? You know, just so you know. Actually, and the funny thing is, with the Republic, I mean, I worked there for that was after Megatunes. I worked at the Republic, and that was a good job. Um, you know, I was maybe drinking a little bit too much, but it, it was a good job. Uh, I saw a lot of good bands, and you know, I have to say, the nicest band that came through that I had to you know, sort of bring their deli tray to them was uh, Big Sugar. <laughs> that, is, that is not what I expected you to say. I didn't have an expectation, but Big Sugar is not what I thought would leave your mouth. Yeah, no. and We're just the, getting our CanCon content here. Yeah, and well, <laughs> well staying... That's Big Sugar. Yeah, staying with that <laughs> whole theme of CanCon, the biggest dicks were the Matthew Good band. I believe that. Yeah. He looks like a dick. Yeah, well... 
I, I kind of forgive him because he's bipolar. But I mean, yeah. his well. his, ba- his band were dicks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they hear this too. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. I'll send him a copy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's on his list of priorities. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, something that we do with the podcast is, you know, our podcast is wrapped around the this idea of top fives. Sure. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, just to put you on the spot cool. for a moment, yeah. um, what are your top five all-time Calgary bands? Well, I thought about this a little bit, and I kind of, this is just from personal taste, but I, I would say number one for me is definitely Wagbeard. I'm a Wagbeard, huge, nice. I'm a huge Chris Temple fan. I think his voice is just totally amazing, and I think he's a great songwriter. Uh, Did you see them at the CGSW uh, when they, it was like their, I don't know what kind of anniversary it was, but they had like, they had like their own little sled island within the university. There was like four stages or something like that, and you could just troll around and go see all these bands. I'm pretty sure Wagbeard, yeah, Wagbeard did. played that. It was yeah. awesome. That was yeah, it was awesome. I was stoked on that. Um, I didn't go to that show, but I, I remember uh, one of the best times I saw Wagbeard, it's, it was with um, it was Wagbeard, Field Day, and Big Drill Car played at the Republic on a oh, Sunday. Wow. Uh, so we drove up from Medicine Hat to go see the show, and it was uh, – it was a big drill car was amazing and Wagbeard was great. And they, um, yeah, it was just such a good show, but I have to say my number two favorite band, uh, just solely because of their first record is uh chicks dig it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Makes sense. That, that first record is the one on sub pop. Yeah. Pop, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Even, especially the second half of the record songs like shadowy bangers. Yeah. Uh, drove the coca Yeah. It still holds up. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. I, I still listen to yeah. it all the time. Uh, do um then number three you know this is kind of tooting my own horn but just because we were so toot away brock just because we were so such a glass of cold water in everybody's face i'm gonna say the browns yeah. like uh, that first browns record I, I can still listen to it and really enjoy it i think uh, you'd I, find that band on a lot of lists i still listen to that album lists. all the time oh, okay cool uh hopefully not the secret track but i love uh, the secret track oh god it's so bad <laughs> i was on uh are there is any just good you hate secret tracks? Do you just hate it because it's just the bass going forever? Um, no, I hate it because I when I go to say she said you, I I get all like angry and um, pent up, and I said she said Jew. Really? Yeah. I never noticed it, but now I'm gonna. Thanks, Brock. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> you just outed yourself. It was fine. But <laughs> it, it was embarrassing while we were recording it in the but studio. Then you left we, it. Yeah. Well, those guys thought it was hilarious. Right. Those guys thought it was... Everyone else in the band thought it was hilarious. I thought it was really bad. <laughs> so well, one of as those, someone who listened to that a lot, I never noticed it once. Well, listen to it. Now I'm going to notice it. See, the problem with that one is it never worked to upload it as an MP3. Oh, good. So... Good. Save like my, I, I, save it never that's made foresight. It. That's digital foresight right there. <laughs> so <laughs> now, it's, now it's... If I have to put the actual CD in, then I can only listen to that track. Yeah, you have to skip ahead, yeah. skip ahead a whole bunch. Um, I would say number four would be, um, especially circa like 2001, 2002, the Red Hot Lovers. Oh yeah. I forgot about Red Hot Lovers. Oh, they were, they were great. Yeah. They were awesome live. Yeah. They were incredible. Uh, Randy and Kevin playing guitar and, um, uh, Danny Danger singing for them. Like they were, they were really good. They were like watching Kiss except without, or like Cheap Trick or something like that. Yeah. They had a lot of oomph to them. 
Yeah, like a, I mean, the name sounds rockabilly. Was it? No, they were no, just like straight up rock and roll. Straight up rock and roll. Like, um, I totally if, forgot about them. If if you ever get a chance, you should check out their CD. It's called "Ain't Got Time to Waste," and it's it's actually really good. When I used to DJ at Metro, I loved when they played. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You know, those, like those Red Hot Lovers shows were so much fun. Yeah, they were a fun band live. And then I'd say uh, wrapping up my list. Um, this, it was a little bit before my time, but I I started listening to it. Is Ninth Configuration, which is John and Jay's old band before the, they started Field Day, oh. uh, with uh, Ben Faulkner. I think played was the singer, and uh, I can't remember who else is in the band. But they released a demo tape called Vegas, which is incredible. Oh, I don't even know that one. Is it's it on? Is it on that Calgary Cassette Preservation Society oh, f- thing? For sure, it is. Okay, I'll have to find that one. Yeah, yeah. Listen to it, like. Um, they have songs like uh, Four Wheels and, uh, oh, if you're going to listen to a song on there, listen to Then and Now. It's, like, so good. It's, like, an incredible song. But, yeah, Ninth Configuration definitely rounds up the top uh, five. I do have one more thing. Are you in any other bands now? Are you still in a band? Um, no. Because you were in the Jamies for a while, right? Yeah, I was. But, um, it was it, you know, that was sort of a departure from punk rock and yeah. stuff. And um, it went pretty well. And we sort of toured around a little bit. But, um no, right now I, I kind of want to get something started again. Uh, so, but I'm looking to do something just where I sing. You know, I've been writing a lot of lyrics and kind of working on my voice quite a bit. So, I'd like to get something started where uh, where I just sing. But I've you know I've still got my basses, so I can always you know take a take a position as a bass player. But uh, I've been looking, but haven't been looking too hard. You know. So, what are you writing about? Sex. <laughs>
Yeah.